0: Hey there, friend. You are in for a great episode. I'm excited for you to apply what you learn. But after that, which episode will you listen to next? It can feel a bit overwhelming when there are so many episodes to choose from. That's why I created the podcast roadmap for you. It's a free resource you can use that outlines the first 30 episodes I recommend listening to when you're either new to the podcast or coming back after a break and looking to get started taking action toward creating permanent weight loss, as well as peace and freedom around food. To get it sent to you right away, just go to KatrinaUbelmd.com forward slash start. Again, KatrinaUbelmd.com forward slash S T A R T. Listen to the first episode and apply what you learned to yourself and your life. Then listen to the next episode. Apply that information and on you go. It won't take long and you'll see positive changes on top of building your momentum. So get the podcast roadmap now. KatrinaUbelmd.com forward slash start. Enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Weight Loss for Busy Physicians Podcast. I'm your host, master certified life and weight loss coach, Katrina Ubell, MD. This is the podcast where busy doctors like you come to learn how to lose weight for the last time by harnessing the power of your mind. If you're looking to overcome your stress eating and exhaustion and move into freedom around food, you're in the right place. Well, hello there, my friend. Welcome to the podcast. So glad to have you here today. I have a really fun episode for you. I want to introduce you to one of my weight loss for doctors only clients. Her name is Kendra Sweet. She is a physician in Florida. And she is someone who has just a really incredible story and is also just a really normal person. I think that when we are doing this work, it's really easy for us to think that we can only have success if we hire a personal chef, or we hire a personal trainer, or we have someone who runs our whole life for us. I know I used to have those thoughts. Like, sure, I could do all of that if that's all I had to focus on. There's no possible way that I can do it when I have all these other obligations in my life between family and my job and everything else. And Kendra is such a great example of the fact that that's completely untrue, <laughs> It's just totally a lie that we tell ourselves and believe. And then we allow that to keep us from creating what we really want. And so she is here to discuss not only her incredible weight loss story, but also the kind of side benefits that have happened for her physically and even in terms of her work and her personal life. And really just everything has changed for the better for her in doing this work and really working on her eating and, you know, just her emotions and relationships and all that work that we do in Weight Loss for Doctors Only. So I can't wait to share my interview with her. She's a great person that I know you're really going to enjoy listening to and hearing her story. So please enjoy my conversation with Kendra Sweet. Kendra, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I am really, really excited to talk to you today because you have a super, super great story. So interesting. We're going to get to some of the, I think, more interesting things a little bit later, but let's just first start off by talking a little bit about like at what point in your life you first started struggling kind of with like food, eating, weight. When did that all start for you?
1: Honestly, I was overweight as a child, not obese, not significantly overweight, but always bigger than probably your average child. And I remember probably the first time I tried to lose weight was when I was in sixth grade, doing some kind of fad diet with some of my friends, which of course worked for a week and then gained it right back. Ever since elementary school, I remember being heavier than I should have been. And it's continued since then. I've always been very active. I was a swimmer all through high school and half of college. And I've been a triathlete and I've done a lot of hiking, but weight has remained a challenge regardless. Okay, cool. So
0: it's like, you know, you kind of kept it under control to a certain extent with the exercise.
1: Did you find that at a certain point that wasn't working anymore? When I got pregnant with my first child, I gained a tremendous amount of weight. I also had torn my meniscus right at the same time that I got pregnant. So my exercise decreased significantly at the same time that I was gaining a lot of weight with pregnancy. And then it took a long time to get weight off from that pregnancy um, and then got pregnant again a few years later and gained a bunch of weight back then. So it's always been this kind of up and down cycle throughout, I mean, really my entire adult life. I do remember back in my early 20s, there was one period of time where I felt, I guess, confident about my weight for maybe a couple of months and then just gained everything right back again.
0: Did you try like a lot of different diet plans and stuff over the years? Or where were you at with
1: that? Mostly Weight Watchers. You know, as you've said many times, it works when you do it. If you stick to it, it works, but it gets boring after a while. It's hard to, to incorporate that into your day to day life. If you're trying to do anything outside of the norm, the norm being preparing all of your food at home and, and bringing it to work. And so it makes going to restaurants tougher and going to someone else's house harder or any kind of event. So eventually, I just kind of stopped doing it. And I'm not someone who enjoys cooking. So there was a period of time, kind of funny, and, and this was not forced, but a period of time where uh, my PA was doing Weight Watchers with me. And we had a deal because she wanted to cook healthy meals, but she wanted some motivation to do it. So... I would buy all the food and then she would cook for both of us and just bring a bunch of food at the beginning of the week. That is brilliant. But then she moved away and it all fell apart It all uh, because I wasn't going to cook anymore. Right. So um, I just stopped doing Weight Watchers. Right, right, right. So
0: when you, did you first start listening to this podcast? I'm assuming you did because most people do. Yes. Okay. Yes. Where were you at when you first started listening to the podcast? Like, What was the impetus for you to start listening?
1: So actually, I had uh, just started Weight Watchers again. And I had a friend of mine who came to visit, who I had seen a year prior. And at that time, well, when she came to visit, she lost about 65 pounds. And I asked her how she had lost all this weight. And she mentioned your podcast. And ironically, she's not a physician. She's a teacher, actually. But she started telling me, you know, I just stopped eating sugar and flour and snacks. Well, that doesn't sound that bad. I had always, I guess, thought of myself as someone who had quite a sweet tooth. So that part sounded like it'd be the hardest part to give up. But she told me about your podcast and I started listening to it and I was like binge listening to it. Once I started listening and I was talking to her all the time about everything that I was learning and kind of shifted away from Weight Watchers and just shifted to no sugar and no snacks really before I even gave up flour altogether, just went away from sugar and snacks and really started to get in tune with, am I actually hungry? No. Why am I trying to eat this or why am I wanting to eat? And, and just starting to get in tune with reasons why I was actually eating, which most of the time were not physical hunger. I mean, like so many of us, right?
0: yes. <laughs> totally. So then at what point were you thinking, okay, I think I want some additional help, like in the form of the Weight Loss for Doctors Only program?
1: I started to realize that there were a lot of reasons that I had been eating. There were a lot of reasons that I was eating when I wasn't hungry and that it was I could give up eating, but I was still kind of uncomfortable, just kind of not buffering with food or with sugar. I think that's the hardest thing, right? It's like not really
0: that different than Weight Watchers anymore. You know, you're still like uncomfortable. You still don't feel good. You're still,
1: you know, struggling. Exactly. Exactly. Like I could give it up, but I didn't I didn't know for sure could I continue this long term if I don't address kind of the underlying reasons that I'm doing this in the first place. So that was just really when I when I looked up the program and looked up what Waldo has to offer, it just kinda spoke to me, to be honest with you. Like it just seemed to offer a lot of what I needed at that time. I had a lot of feelings of not being completely settled in my work life and just wanted a little bit more understanding of what was going on in my mind, my own mind, and how that correlated with my eating habits, my weight. And so I thought if I can really dig a little deeper into all of that, it would really help me in my overall well-being, not just my weight. Right. So let's just pause. We'll hit pause on the
0: weight loss thing for here for a second. So, how old are you when you first started having migraine headaches? Seven, seven years old. Okay. And so, give us a, a quick progression of what that looked like as you started the program.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was thought back then, and, and I probably am missing a lot of details from back then. But I think uh, the initial thought was it was related to my jaw, and so I had braces in the second grade. To try to do things with John. But the headaches were were kind of persistent and certainly not as bad as they were in adulthood, but definitely had headaches frequently in high school and in college. And and then really probably in my early 20s is when I started getting them much, much, much more frequently. And so averaging probably six days a week from my early 20s until you know last fall, which you know I was 44. So for about 20 years, averaging about six things a week getting or migraine headache. And then I started seeing a headache specialist, a neurologist, who specialized in headaches two and a half years ago and was started on daily medication to try to prevent them, which sort of worked, but the doses just kept getting increased and increased and increased. And, um, and then was taking a triptan and was, you know, because there's a limit to how many triptans you can take in a month, you know, was told basically pick the days you want to have a headache and pick the days you don't and take the triptan on the days you don't want to have a headache. So that was kind of how I was functioning and taking Tylenol and ibuprofen a few times a day. And once I started on this program and, you know, made these changes to my diet and really, I think, started better understanding the whole connection between my mind and my body and how to manage my emotions and, and all of this started coming together, my migraines started getting so much better. I mean, so much better. That's been the biggest change in my whole life. I still get them. I mean, I do still get them, but I went five months between refills of my triptan and that only has nine pills in, in the box. So I went from taking 13 in a month to nine over five months. My daily kind of preventive medication, the dose was cut in half. I get a headache maybe one to two days a week now. That's usually manageable with Tylenol. And it's just been life changing, absolutely life changing.
0: I mean, it's like an absolute miracle. And I just want to say what you've been able to accomplish having so many migraine headaches. I mean, I guess you get to a point where you're just like, this is just my life. And it, you have headaches way more often than you don't. But still, it's like just incredible. And then the fact like I, I'm guessing you kind of were at a point where you're like, I guess this is just my life. It's probably just not ever going to get better. And then to be able to have this really unexpected side benefit of doing this other work on yourself. I mean, it's just incredible.
1: Yeah, like you said, it just was kind of like, well, this is what it is. Like some people, I guess, just have headaches and I'm one of those people. And so you just either get on with it or you do nothing. So doing nothing is not really an option. So get on with it. But then it took me a little while to start to recognize like this is really consistently getting better. I guess maybe took me a while. Maybe that's not totally true, but I guess it took me a while to realize what to attribute it to. But the okay. timing when I realized when I had last refilled my trip down and then when I stopped needing it so frequently and it all started coming together, thought, this is fascinating. And then on Halloween last year, I did have some sugar and the next day had a horrible migraine. A horrible migraine. And I realized, wow, that is very likely the cause. And um, you know, a couple of times over the holidays when I did have sugar the next day. I had terrible headaches. And so it's just, if there's nothing else at this point that I really need to motivate me to just stay away from it.
0: And that's not even what, you know, I typically am like, you know, recommending or telling anybody to do. Usually it's more like, hey, let's figure out a way where we can coexist with sugar, where if you want it to be part of life, you can have it as part of your life in a more rational, you know, way where you feel in control. And you're an example of someone who's like, no, thanks, I'd rather not.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Which I never would have expected because I always identify it as such a sweet tooth. And I mean, I would go as far as to say, I mean, I was addicted to sugar, right? At the end of a busy clinic day, my nurse would go down to the gift shop in the hospital and just buy tons of crap. And we'd just <laughs> sit there and just eat like chocolate covered pretzels and gummy lifesavers and just all this candy. It was so gross yeah. when I think about it. Um, <laughs> but we would do that all the time when we'd have a stressful day in clinic. And now I just the thought of that just repulsive to me, which is great. But I mean, at the time, that was yeah. like how we managed our stress. I was going to say, you didn't know any
0: other way. That was the, the only way you knew to get through the day. And you probably felt like you were doing something fun and nice for yourselves. And it was a way of kind of bonding with people, getting that social connection. Yeah, makes sense. But then when you realize, you're like, maybe there's some other ways <laughs> that I could accomplish the same thing without eating all of that stuff. And that's really what we work on, right? Like I think so many people think it's like, Okay, here's your diet. Like, here's what you're going to eat. And I mean, I don't tell you what to eat at all, but like, there's, you know, some guidance. It's mostly just helping you to figure out what's going to work best for you. But, you know, you get started on that and then we get into everything else. Like, so how do you get through, you know, a difficult clinic day and not just be like, well, and too bad you just have to suffer and feel awful now because you don't get to have (laughs) anything nice, you know?
1: I mean, I think it's really recognizing or just, being more aware yeah. of a what's making me feel uncomfortable right it's the things that would make me want to eat sugar you know what were those things is it a negative patient interaction is it that i you know personalized that too much and and made that about me when in reality it's not really about me or mm-hmm. is it you know I'm an, I'm an oncologist so there's for better or for worse a lot of end-of-life discussions and is it That, you know, I just had a, a, you know, an end of life discussion with a young patient that was emotionally challenging and that was hard to kind of come down from or whatever it may be. But now it's kind of reevaluating and rethinking about those scenarios and say, you know, an end of life discussion, for example, I can kind of stop and recognize that, you know, this person was going to be in this scenario, whether I am here or not. But my role for them is to make the end of their life as good as it can possibly be, you know, Mm -hmm. to make them realize that they have done every single thing they can possibly do to try to improve this situation. And this is where we are now. And now my role is to make them as comfortable as they can possibly be, so they can die with dignity. Mm -hmm. And so rather than feeling like I have somehow failed them, I can choose to think about it in a different way in that I have helped them as best as I can. And I feel like I have been in in this place to try to make their lives better because mm-hmm. their scenario wasn't going to change whether I was here or not. Right. Like your role kind of switches a
0: little bit, right? You're like, I'm here to help them, you know, no matter what. And so like when we've exhausted all our options over here, then we transition to, okay, so now my role has shifted into helping them in the end of their life be as comfortable as possible.
1: Exactly. But those sorts of thoughts are available to me rather than just feeling like I have nothing and I failed them. Yeah. Which is, I think, what leads to this kind of, well, obviously sadness and kind of need to act in ways that don't serve me, don't serve my body. But if I can think about things in a different way, in in a more I don't know positive way to think about something. Maybe more useful. You know,
0: I like to think of it as a exactly. more useful way, right? It doesn't have to be more exactly. positive, but it's more useful. It's like, I it was, what came to me is like the image is like, it can feel very empty, right? To feel like, like you have nothing you can give anymore. You know, like you're just yeah. like, you know, or sometimes people even feel kind of numb. Like they don't even know what to think. And so we just will eat because we're like, we want some sensory input or we want to fill up that emptiness. And, but we don't have conscious awareness that that's what we're doing. We're like, I don't know, I just wanted gummy lifesavers or whatever you're
1: saying. (laughs) Exactly. It's true. And it's true. It's just filling a void. But rather than filling it with candy, I can just fill it with what I really think is the truth, which is that I have been in a place to provide as much helping guidance as anyone can. And Mm -hmm. that makes me feel a lot better about the role that I put in.
0: Yeah, it's like you suffering more is definitely not going to help that patient in any way at all. You know what I mean? Or you kind of like, you know, punishing yourself to a certain extent, right? Or, you know, thinking negatively about yourself or there's nothing good comes from it really is, is the realization,
1: I think, right? Exactly. It just yeah. doesn't, it doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help me with an patient either. And then, you know, it just, there's nothing good that comes from that.
0: Well, and I think that that can really lead to a lot of burnout too, you know, taking on all that responsibility. And then, you know, this is a, an art of medicine on purpose, right? Like not everything works all the time. In fact, a lot of times it doesn't work. And, you know, that resistance to that or thinking that, you know, somehow if you were just smarter or better, like you could, you know, save this person or whatever. Like, I don't know why we think that way, but it's not helpful. It's certainly not helpful at all. No. So would you be willing to share how much weight you've lost in our program? Well, that's 56 pounds. That is awesome. And that's your goal weight, right? You're at goal and you've been there for a little while now. Yes. Which is so fun. So congratulations for that. Gained and lost five pounds here and there, which I think is, is normal. Most people do not sit at the exact same weight <laughs> like all day, every day. Right, right, right. Yeah. So now you're working on maintaining, right? Like, which is not something you ever did before. So how
1: is that going? It's going really well. It's a learning process because I've never been in this place in my whole life where I've not wanted to lose weight. So I feel like I've always been in a cycle of either losing weight or gaining weight. So now where I'm just at this place of wanting to keep my weight where it is and figuring out the best way to do that. So it's definitely a learning process. I definitely have made, I don't even want to use the word mistakes because they're just, I just am realizing, you know, what. Just figuring it out, really. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have noticed that if I do start snacking on something, my weight tends to go up. And it also is usually snacking on something when I'm not hungry. And so I don't need to be doing that anyways. I need to be addressing whatever it is that's making me snack on something. And so I think that just finding the right approach. I did cut out flour for a while when I was getting closer to my goal weight. And um, I think incorporating that back in is really, for me, the best way to to maintain my weight without adding back sugar or snacks but just having a little bit of flour here and there to add in a little more variety and just kind right. of keep my weight at yeah. where I want it to be yeah
0: I think if you're able to eat a little bit of flour then it makes it easier when you're um, like eating out or things like that you know like I'm not yeah. even much of a pasta person but like every now and then you know it's just like it's just nice that's like yeah yeah you know, sometimes I have this, you know what I mean? like not that big of a deal. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so awesome. good. So what happens in weight loss for doctors only, which I think a lot of people are surprised about is we end up coaching on all kinds of other things. And just like you were talking about, like, you know, talking about like, how do you deal with those clinic days? And and there's so much work that can be done there. And it makes not eating all that stuff so much easier, right? I think a lot of times we're like, well, I'm going to be pulling that away from myself, like pulling away the candy at the end of the day and things like that. So I guess I just have to be miserable, Like, no, what we do is we actually stop, you know, make it so you just don't even need that or even desire it anymore, which makes it really easy to not have that. But we also often end up really delving into other things that are going on in, you know, various people's lives. And I mean, honestly, like the whole gamut from A to Z and everything in between. And so I know you've been done, well, you've done a lot of work and you've been coached a lot on your job and a potential opportunity to leave academic medicine to go into a pharma job where you could do more research like this, very related to the work that you've been doing for many years. But then also like a family issue that was influencing that as well. I know this is an issue that just a lot of people are considering or thinking about. And so I'd love for you to just share a little bit more, whatever you feel comfortable sharing about that process.
1: Absolutely. I think that this program, quite honestly, has been so impactful in helping me make this decision and feel good about the decision that I'm making. So I, have been in my current job for 10 years. I, as you mentioned, I'm in academic oncology. I'm, I treat leukemia and I've been here at the same cancer center for, for 10 years. And more recently, I've just start, I'd say in the last few years, started to feel Unsettled, maybe, but really couldn't put my finger on what it is because when I have talked to my department chair and and asked for various things, he gives me what I ask for, I've gotten promotions to and I'm doing things that I love to do, and so it's been hard for me to kind of drill down on what it is that makes me feel unsettled when if I just intellectually talk about what I'm doing, it's exactly what I want to be doing, but you know through some of the work in this program, I've really also spent a lot of time focusing on values, my own values, my core values, and what really kind of makes me who I am and what kind of drives me to keep going. And so I think if I really drill down to like, what are my two primary core values, I would say family and personal well-being, um, which you know, personal well-being could certainly be, that's a vague term potentially, but nevertheless, family is a big one. And then kind of touching on the family scenario, I have my husband and my two kids that live here in Florida with me. And then my parents and my sister live in California. And my sister has special needs. She has PKU that was not diagnosed at birth and when not diagnosed until she was two. And so she has cognitive deficits related to that being diagnosed late. And so my parents are very involved in her life and in kind of day-to-day, sort of the day-to-day stuff with with her. And I have been more removed from that than I would like to be. And on some level, I have always known that I'm more removed than I want to be from what's going on in California with my parents and with my sister. But I don't know that I've ever really been able to articulate that. And just once I was able to really figure out kind of where my values lie, what's really important to me and family is really important to me and recognizing I want to be more present for my sister moving forward. I want to be more involved in her life in the years to come. I want to be more involved in my parents' lives in the years to come. And I'm not moving to California and they're not moving to Florida for a variety of reasons that we don't need to get into, but nevertheless, that's not happening. And so Something else needs to change if I wanted to really be in alignment with what I value. And my current job, for all that it has to offer, doesn't offer the flexibility to be here and in California at the same time. And so ultimately, I just came to the realization that if I really want to live in alignment with my values, I need to find a different job that allows me to do that, that provides me the flexibility to be here and be there when I need to be there, when I want to be there so that I can be present for my family out there and my family here. And that really matters to me. And so I found a job that is in the pharmaceutical industry, like you mentioned, doing clinical development, designing clinical trials, um, running clinical trials in my area of expertise. That is a remote job so I can work from home, companies based out in California. I can kind of be where I need to be and still be working. And it provides me a degree of flexibility that I just don't have in my current job. And so after much coaching about it...
0: I would call it careful consideration. <laughs>
1: careful consideration. not a, a rash decision by any stretch. <laughs> no, not a rash decision by any stretch of the imagination. I finally came to the conclusion that that's what I wanted to do. And so I resigned about two months ago. I'm still in my my... Job at Cancer Center. I'll be here for another two months, and then I'm starting my new job in July. I feel good about it overall. I mean, I'm well. It's a the, it, it's very normal to have a
0: lot of thoughts and feelings. <laughs> you make a, a big decision like that that really changes. It's a really it's a big life transition for you. And I just want to speak to you know something else that we talked a lot about, which was just the shift in identity. Right? Like you thought you would be a certain kind of doctor doing certain kinds of things, and then realizing you know what's really better for me is doing something different. But that doesn't align (laughs) with that identity or what you envision for yourself. So it's like realigning that, creating a new identity.
1: It's an adjustment. It really is. That I think has been, and I haven't even left yet, but that's probably been the biggest adjustment for me so far is the fact that I really identify with being a doctor and with being an academic leukemia specialist. And I don't think I realized how much my identity is ingrained in this job until I decided to leave it. And now all of a sudden I'm recognizing that it's harder to walk away from than I thought it would be. Not just, I mean, the people here are amazing and that's hard to walk away from, but really because I'm kind of like, well, who am I if I'm not this person? And so I have to kind of recreate that in my own mind and who I want to be. I remember asking you too, like, does this mean I'm a fake doctor now? right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> right? are going to take away your degree. <laughs> right? But and you're like, well, I don't know. I mean, is the job you're taking now a job for a doctor? I mean, and then not, right? I, I come to terms with that now. I know I'm not a fake doctor, but still kind of recreating that identity and feeling like, okay, now I get to really think about who is it that I want to be? Who am I going to be? What are the reasons I'm doing this? And how am I going to kind of re identify myself? But that's been a big shift. And that is, not been nearly as simple as I just tried to make it sound. <laughs>
0: right. But that's like one of those, those side benefits, like, you know, you would have had all this coaching support and help in making that decision. And kind of like, I mean, even now getting, you know, help with sort of like the aftermath, so to speak, of that decision, had you not decided, hey, you know what, I think I want to get some coaching help on my food and eating and, you know, wait, right? Like, <laughs> Oh, my gosh, no,
1: I would still be in my job, just feeling very unsettled, trying to figure out why. Yeah. That's exactly where I would be and probably would gain all the weight that I had potentially lost from Weight Watchers is exactly where I would be because I've done all this before. Exactly that I mean the coaching support that I've gotten has really been it's been crucial. And, you know, when I signed up for masters, I mean I asked my husband if he was okay with it, but it was kind of like just asking but telling him. Like I'm doing this That's why I am doing this (laughs) Right. I'm gonna do this because I cannot leave my job and move into this whole new thing. And not have this degree of support because I have to have this. I need it. Like it's been so valuable, and I've coached on this so many times. And every single time it comes up, I mean, I feel like a broken record. But I also learn something new and have something new to work on every single time. So I realize there's still there's so much more there.
0: Well, and I just want to commend you because I think it's easy for people to shame themselves. Like, ah, oh, I've already been coached on this, you know, several times. Like, ah, oh, I don't want to bother them. Bring it up again. And, you know, all of us as coaches were like, no, bring it up. Like, <laughs> you know, you're make this is how you make progress. This is how you get to that place of decision, not by like shaming yourself into, you know, thinking that you shouldn't be getting the help that you really need. And I think that that's just a really, it, it was such a, a fun part of this process, right? Like now you're, you're maintaining your weight and you're learning how to do that. And that's like, that's definitely going on kind of, you know, to the side. I don't think it's like the main, main focus anymore. Mm-hmm. And, these other things get to get their kind of like the light of day to, you know, the light shown upon them so yes. that they can be worked out and um, you can kind of do them simultaneously, which is so fun and so great.
1: It's really, I, I, yeah, I can't think of, actually I can think of the last time I coached on food or weight, which was the week that I reached my goal weight and I asked a question about maintenance and mm-hmm. I don't think I've coached on it since then. And that was in January and now we're in May. I mean, yeah, like you said, it is, it's just kind of like a thing that's happening Mm-hmm. Um and I've recognized And that's how we want know. it to be, honestly,
0: right? We want maintenance to be something that's like, oh yeah, every now and then I think about that. But for the most part, I just this is how I do, you know, this is how I roll. Like this is just life. And it's not so much focus on food and weight, which is really what we're all wanting. Whether yeah. we lose weight or not, we want to stop thinking about it. You know what yeah. I mean? We want to be free of that so that we can just be around it have a, you know, healthy relationship with it, whatever that looks like for each one of us individually. And this is what that looks like, which is just so fun.
1: And so fewer headaches. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. It's amazing. Oh I God. now I'm like, a, I call myself a headache wimp because <laughs> uh, when I do get a headache, I'm like, oh gosh, I really just don't want to work with this headache right now. Like, <laughs> how did I do this all the time before? Because I, it's like, I've been exposed to the good life. Right. Still one to two days a week, I'll do yeah. it. But
0: so much yeah I don't like it amazing right 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 okay so in closing here as we wrap up first of all just thank you so much for sharing your story and you know all the things that you shared because I know it's going to be you know so helpful to so many people but I wanted to just ask you one more question so you know undoubtedly there's someone listening to this episode who's like I wonder if I should is weight loss for doctors right for me should I join that or not I mean there's some good stuff on this podcast can I do it myself I don't really know and I would just love to
1: know what you would tell that person. I would tell that person that anyone can, can do it. Any, I mean, I've struggled with my weight for 45 years. I'm 45 years old. So I'm going to say 45 years. Well, 44, because I, I had not struggled since I turned 45. And all of a sudden, you know, find, since fighting this program, it's not a struggle anymore. And so anyone is capable of that. Yeah, that, that is available to anybody who wants it which I think is absolutely incredible. And it's such a gift. So take advantage of that gift that you've give it. It's right there being handed to anyone who wants it. So that's what I would say. And then along with that is just the ability to learn so much more about yourself and what matters to you and how to manage kind of everything else going on in your world and how to make your whole life a little bit easier to to live it and just feel supported and feel cared about and it's all right there, ready for you. So I would recommend it to anybody personally, just because of the benefits I have experienced. I have recommended it to many people. I've got a couple friends that are in Waldo now that joined and and I think again they just they're experiencing significant benefits as well. And and I I would love to think that everybody could feel as good as I feel.
0: My gosh, so good. (laughs) That is so great. Yeah, because I think that, right, we, we think like other people can do it, but that we can't. And like you are a normal person with a real life and real challenges and all the, right? Like just it's like sometimes we're like, if I had this perfect life and I wasn't actually human, then I could do it. No, like you can do this while also actually being, you know, a regular person with a job and family
1: and all the things yeah absolutely i'm just as regular as anyone else the husband who's great but also irritates me at times and kids (laughs) who are awesome but also crazy and you know they have schoolwork and activities and i have a job that i'm here too many hours you know we've all got the same thing we're all in the same boat really when all is said and done and there's a way to make it work yeah so good
0: Well, Kendra, listen, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and telling us all that. I appreciate you so much. So proud of what you've accomplished. It's just incredible. Always a pleasure to coach with you. So thank
1: you so much. Thank you. Thank you for everything that you do for for me and for everybody else. I'm just so grateful for you. So thank you. And thank you for having me on. This is really fun. I feel honored. Awesome. Thanks, Kendra.
0: Ready to start making progress on your weight loss goals? For lots of free help, go to katrinayoubellmd.com and click on free resources.